multiple life, probably many times in your life, you're going to come to juniper trees, places where everything is stacked on top of you, and you're beginning to give beneath the weight of the circumstances that we're living in. Everyone's going to have a juniper tree, I assure you of that. Whether you admit it or not, you will. And the weight's going to bear down upon you, and you're going to think, I am not going to be able to make it one more step. I am done. It is enough. And you're going to collapse. Well, the other day I was in New Orleans. We're preaching a graduation down there and headed south. And as we come into the the metropolis of the city, uh, on your left is what is left of the Hard Rock Cafe and Hotel. Has anyone seen that lately that is down there on your left? As you're coming into New Orleans, I'll show you a picture of it. Uh, That's a picture of what is left of it because the day after my wife and I were there, the day before this happened, they were building the Hard Rock Hotel uh, in in the cafe that is there. And uh, suddenly, like I said, we were down there for a ball game. The day after we were there, the building collapsed. Killed three people. As a matter of fact, two of the bodies are still in the building today. They're unable to get the building down because of all the infrastructure around them. They're going to have to take it down piece by piece by piece. And they're trying to figure out, my daughter took a picture of it on her iPad as we were going down the road, and I was telling her the story. I read an article on why that building collapsed, and they realized that as they poured the different levels of the hotel, one on top of the other, they began to removing the support structures too soon. They were supposed to wait 30 days, if I'm not mistaken, according to the engineer's report, and they removed the vertical supports after eight days. And slowly, as they added story after story after story on top, one on top of the other, the girders, the columns underneath supporting those loads began to bow. As a matter of fact, one of the construction workers two days before the collapse actually took a picture and posted online in a joke about how the, the, the column was bending under the weight. And two days later, it would collapse in and take three people's lives. But here's what I want you to see this morning. There's a lot of us who are living very similar to that hotel right before it imploded. And if you haven't gotten there, you will get there as this world continues to wax worse and worse and evil stacks upon evil and it's going to bear upon your heart, it's going to bear upon your mind and you're going to find yourself at verse number four after you've served God and you've been faithful, you're going to be out of gas spiritually and you're going to come to the place where you say, it is enough. I mean, it's just one thing after another. We have a virus, and we have unrest, and we have the dust cloud from Africa, and uh, storms, and we have people getting sick, and depression, and suicide. I've never dealt with so many suicides I have in the last six months, counseling for suicides. Why? Because it's all multiplying. But I want you to see something this morning. It's very, very important. Elijah would journey beyond the juniper tree. Elijah wouldn't die there. God had a plan for Elijah much past the juniper tree. And if we will watch and learn from Elijah, we will be able to take the journey beyond the juniper tree. Now, folks, I told my wife earlier, I'm not trying to sound like Dr. Phil this morning, but understand this. You are going to come to the place where the circumstances of life, the cares of this world, the burdens of your heart are going to get to the place to where you say it's enough. You'll get there in your marriage. For you say, I just don't know that I can take all of this and we have this strife in my home or my kids, I'm going to kill them. How often do we say as parents, you've gotten on my last nerve. Multus, it is enough. Listen, you've drawn on the wall, you spilt stuff on the floor, you slapped your brother, you took the car for a test drive. I've had enough. It's stacking up on you. And you're going to come to a juniper tree 
And you're going to need to know what to do at this very dangerous place. Let me tell you why it's dangerous. One chapter earlier, he had one of the greatest victories of his life. One chapter earlier. But the juniper tree is a place where past victories do not matter. And he can't see the way ahead. And therefore, future opportunities no longer matter. That's a dangerous place. When you cannot find hope in your past or hope in your future, that's why people die under the juniper tree. But we as the people of God, listen to me. God, our Father, does not want us to die under that juniper tree. He wants us to continue our journey. But we must know what he says about moving on from the place where everything is weighing on top of us. And I believe this morning that some of the greatest Christians that you have ever seen in the Word of God and in present day history came out of times where they moved on from the juniper tree. And I pray God's going to help us do that this morning. I'm not going to be mad and try to preach at you. I'm not going to try to beat you over the head. But you need to hear this this morning. And we're going to see three things we've got to recognize to journey past the juniper tree. Let's look at them if we could. Look down, if you will, to verse number seven. This is the second visit the angel pays to Elijah. Elijah's fallen asleep again. And the angel comes back in verse seven. The Bible says the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat. Now watch close, because the journey is too great for thee. Now the angel's going to tell him what he needs to do in a moment, all right? We're going to look at that at the end of the message. But before the angel can tell him what he needs to do, Elijah has to understand why he needs to do it, why he's got to take what the angel tells him in order to move forward. And the answer's the end of verse 7. The angel says, you've got to understand something, Elijah, that the journey, the road ahead is too great for thee. The first thing you've got to recognize this morning to journey past and journey beyond the juniper tree is to recognize the inability of self. Recognize the inability of self. What does that mean? The angel was telling Elijah, it is too great for thee. The road ahead, the path that you are going to travel, it's too great for you. And there's no way that you of yourself can make it another step past the juniper tree. You know what that requires of us this morning? It requires swallowing something that we love the taste of called pride. We all have to get to the place where we're under the juniper tree and the weight is crashing down on us. We can't see hope behind us. We can't see hope in front of us. And we come to the place where we cannot go any further. And even though it's a terrible place, it can be a glorious place. Because it's the place where you realize that I am incapable of myself to continue on this journey. And can I tell you something this morning, Christian? I don't know what the second half of 2020 holds for us, but I would go ahead and tell you, you better buckle up. You ever been on a roller coaster and they tell you to fasten your seatbelt and it's like this, you know, okay. It's a kiddie ride, right? My wife got me on a ride in Disneyland a few years ago, and it's just like this kiddie ride, these cartoon characters and whatnot. And, and so I put my seatbelt on just because the lady's going to come around and ask you to tug on the belt, you know? Tug on, yeah, I got it on. I didn't think I really needed that. And then all of a sudden, here we go, that little swirly ride, you know? And good night. Before it was over, I was cinching it down, you know, trying to hold on. I didn't think I was going to need it, but I, I needed it. And I'm going to tell you something this morning as a child of God. I don't know what the rest of 2020 is going to hold, but I can go ahead and tell you right now, without knowing the specifics, the journey is too great for thee. You cannot make it the rest of this year on your own. Write it down. This is what the angel tells Elijah. He says, the journey is too great for thee. Now, I want you to see a very important word. In verse 7, 
The Bible says the journey is to. That word to is very important. T-O-O. It means this. Excessive and beyond possible. Excessive and beyond possible. The angel is telling Elijah the road ahead is excessive. We'll read in just a few moments. Elijah is going to have to go 40 miles on that one meal. 40 miles nonstop. Look, many of us cannot make it 40 yards without stopping to catch a breather. I'm raising my hand. Now, some of you aren't laughing. You're lying, all right? You'd be smiling because you know we, we try to do the 40. We can't do the 40. When you go over 40, you do the 20. What is your 20, not what is your 40? We have to stop and catch a breath. Elijah's going to have to go 40 miles on his own, or 40 days on his own, on one meal. He says, there's no way you can do this on your own. Now, here's what I want to ask you real quickly. How much of our Christian life do we waste coming to the conclusion that we can't? How much of our Christian life are we going to waste? How much of our families are we going to waste? How much of our children are we going to waste coming to the conclusion that we can't of ourselves? It's a sad thing, but oftentimes folks will leave this life and it's not until they get ready to leave this world that they realize that they're incapable of their self, that I can't continue this journey. I've come to the place where I realize that without God, I am truly nothing. My life's verse is 2 Corinthians 3, 5. I jokingly tell folks, I didn't know you're supposed to have a life verse. Young people, you're supposed to have a life verse, evidently. Get you one. Philippians 4.13 is a good one. Most people use that one. 2 Corinthians 3.5 is my life's verse. When somebody told me I needed one, like when you're a pastor and you're signing your name, you're supposed to sign a verse with it. I didn't know that. So I had to go get me one. And I found one that really speaks to me. The Bible says that we're not sufficient of ourselves. We're not sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiencies of God. How often in my service to God and the journey of the will of God for my life do I feel so insufficient? God, you've called me to do this. You've called me to be a husband and a dad and a pastor. And sometimes you feel like you're not doing any of it right. You're like, God, I'm so insufficient. What a wonderful place to get to. Because then we realize that our sufficiencies of God. And if you're going to journey past the juniper tree, you've got to get to the place to realize that you'll not do it without him. You'll not do it without him. Folks, the last two weeks, we've dealt with, with counseling on three different suicides this past, in the last two weeks. Marriage troubles. Before I ever even got dressed this morning, my phone rings. I'm sitting on the couch. My wife and daughter are still asleep. You get a phone call from, from a young person having troubles with something, needing counsel on something. You see, the circumstances that we're living in right now are really forcing a lot of people to the juniper tree realize I don't know if I can keep going and I'll tell you the only way you're going to keep going is to realize you're incapable of doing it yourself it's one of those things that takes a while for some people to get there but you need to get there as soon as possible Jonah thought he was just going to go on a boat cruise and you know ride off the journey I'll be fine I can do it without God but Jonah finally got to the place where he realized you know what I can't do this without God Samson got to the place where Samson thought he could do it without God. And Samson finally came to the conclusion that he was unable of himself. David, in his sin with Bathsheba, finally got to the place where he says, I am now ready to halt. What is he saying? I can't go a step further without God. The songwriter who wrote uh, the hymn, Without Him, I asked Brother Brent about the pronunciation today because I've heard him mention before, Mylon Lefevre was a member of the Lefevre singing group, the family called the Lefevres, the Southern Gospel group. When he was 17 years old, he wrote the hymn without him. 
We know the song. What a wonderful invitation song it is. Without him, I could do nothing. Without him, I could be drifting. Without him, I could be dying. Without him, without him, without, without him. 17 years old, he wrote that song. And boy, he knew what he was talking about. But then he decided he was going to go join the military. So at 18, he joined the military, but decided to come back and sing with his family for a reunion and hitchhike 600 miles to Nashville, Tennessee to sing with his family and to sing his song that he wrote on stage without him. And he did. He didn't know that night that in the audience of Nashville, Elvis Presley was in the audience listening and fell in love with that song and wanted that song to be on his album. I believe the name was How Great Thou Art. Before the year was over, Mylan's song was recorded 83 times by various artists, and he became a somebody overnight. Then hanging out with Elvis, sang a little bit with the Beatles on the side, and just got to know everybody who was somebody in his day that was in the music industry. It was there he realized making the money he was making, having the friends that he had, that he did not need Jesus anymore. It took him 15 years, if I'm not mistaken, 15 years to come to the juniper tree, addicted to heroin and all kinds of other stuff to realize that he could not truly move forward without him. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. You don't have to learn it that way. For some odd reason, we think that the Baptist way is to go and sow our wild oats and finally come back to God with a boatload of regrets. Now listen, I'm thankful the grace of God is sufficient and allows us to come back and opens the door that we can get right with God and we can move forward, but it doesn't have to take that route. That's what we call the long way around. You could just go ahead and decide as a young person, as a mom and dad, that without him, I could do nothing. You don't have to come to the place where you have lost everything to realize that. Now, Mylon had to get there. David had to get there. Samson had to get there. And now Elijah's at this place where he's ready to die. He says, it is enough. You know, with all that's going on in our world, I don't know what the second half of this year holds. But me as the optimist, the glass half full has even been having to prepare my daughter for what the world may look like soon for the child of God. You know what I want my daughter to understand? The journey's too great for thee. I don't know what the world's going to hold. I don't know if the Lord tarries the next 40, 50 years. I go on to heaven. She's left here behind. These young people are left here behind. I don't know the world they're going to face, but I can guarantee you it's too great for thee. You cannot move forward of yourself. So we've got to recognize the inability of our self. Then look down real quickly. Look at verse number five. Second thing, the angel gives him two things he needs to do. Two things he needs to do because the journey's too great. The Bible says in verse five, after he asked God to die, he lay and slept under a juniper tree. Behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. Notice the two things he tells them to do. Arise and eat. The first one, I want you to focus in on that word arise. Elijah decided, I've served God, I've been faithful, I've seen God work, but I've come to the place I can't see past today to tomorrow. I'm just going to die right here. And the Bible says he laid down and he just took a nap. He just went to sleep. Number two, If you're going to journey past the juniper tree, you must recognize the inefficiency of sleep. I'm going to explain that to you. Stick with me. You must recognize the inefficiency of sleep. You know, they say if you live to be 70 years old, you'll sleep 23 years of your life. Some of you, I think, will probably break that. 
If you live 70 years, you're going to sleep 23 years of your life away. I mean, you're thinking, good night. I'm wasting a lot of time in bed. But for those of you who like sleep, you're like, it's worth it. I don't like getting out of bed either. Yesterday morning, the uh, Harrises were coming up from... Uh, uh, from uh, Gulfport, heading back to Nebraska. And uh, I told them I was going to take their kids to Krispy Kreme, kind of the highlight of Hattiesburg. You know, people ask you, what is there to do in Hattiesburg? <laughs> we got a zoo and we got a Krispy Kreme. You know, so we did the zoo early and we did Krispy Kreme yesterday. So I told Miley, they're going to come through early. I said, I'm going to wake you off. We're going to go get a donut. So I go into Miley's room and forgive me, Miley, for telling this unflattering story about you. But I go in there and she's just, she has a top bunk with a, uh, a desk or something under there. And she's up on the top bunk. And I just kind of, you know, as a good dad, pat her on that. Miley, Miley, Miley. She says, yes, sir. I said, come on, it's time to go get a donut. She says, yes, sir. She drifts back off. I go down to the foot of the bed. I say, Miley, Miley, sprinkles, icing, blinking sign, you know, trying to give her some signals, the bat signal. It's on, you know, go, go. And she goes, okay, okay, dad, yeah, that, yeah, just a second, just a second. She's gone. She likes her sleep. Now, look, there's nothing wrong with liking sleep. The Bible does say something about liking it too much, but you do need some sleep every once in a while. But I want you to know that spiritual sleep can be deadly. Spiritual sleep can be deadly. Elijah comes along and says, you know what? I quit. I quit. I'm not going any further. I'm stopping right here, and I quit. His service to God has ended. That's what sleep is. Sleep is inactivity. He's decided, you know what? I'm done. I'm just going to sleep off this juniper tree. But can I tell you this morning, you will never sleep off a juniper tree. You can never get past this place where the weight of everything's crushing in on you by quitting on God. This is what Elijah thought. Maybe if I just go to sleep and quit, that it'll all go away. But I'll assure you this, it was there when he woke up. And a whole lot worse. The inefficiency of sleep. The other day I had two teeth, I actually had three teeth pulled, some dental work preparing for a long-term fix in my mouth. I'm kind of excited about getting them fixed, but not excited about getting them fixed, if you get what I'm saying there. And going to the dentist office, and he asked me, do you want the gas, you know? And I always ask, how much is it extra, you know, because it's not free. I mean, you can't have something that feels that good and it's free, you know? <laughs> we won't go there, but... I said, no, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. And so I'm sitting there in a chair, and he goes for the back one first, a wisdom tooth, no big deal, no big deal, Psh, pulls it out, comes up here to the front, and uh, all my life I have enjoyed milk, and I've got strong bones, and we found that out on that tooth. Because he got up there, and he starts, and it's not moving. And by then my head is going back and forth, my back and forth. And he says this, I'm not joking, he says this, he says, look, I've never had to get on anybody's chest, but we're almost there. And I'm thinking, Lord, please, just let him get it out. And so I said, just go for it, Doc. Go for it. And I'm just bracing myself, you know. I'm sure the nurse has got a good laugh about it. I, look, I'm a wimp when it comes to pain. Just knock me out, you know. And so he goes to rocking, and he goes to rocking, and all of a sudden, it snaps in half. When it snaps in half, it rips my gum all the way up to the top of the gum. I'm talking about all the way up on both sides, like a V, like a vampire gum now on my left side. It was pretty bad. And then he got the other tooth out. And I go home. I told my wife, I'm just going to take a nap. And when I wake up, everything's going to be better. And so while I'm sleeping, she goes to the grocery store and gets me some chicken noodle soup and some jello. Oh, just a good wife, all that kind of goodies for me that, you know, I couldn't eat solid foods at the time. And when I woke up, guess what? He's still there. You can't sleep off a toothache. 
it was still there. I had to go to the doctor and get some medicine to make it go away. And man, I had dry sockets and he was packing stuff down in there. It was just a long drawn out ordeal. But here's what I want you to see. A lot of us come to this place of the juniper tree where life gets tough and things are weighing in on top of us. And we just think, you know what? If I just quit on God, if I just back off my church, clear my head, get out of the word of God, not spend time in prayer, that I'll be all right after I wake up. No, you'll die spiritually in your sleep. I see it all the time with homes and families. We start having trouble in our home, and so the first thing to go is God. Listen to me, folks. That's not the answer. Listen, you're going you're gonna to go to spiritually asleep, and you're going to miss out on the opportunity of getting what you need from God to journey beyond the juniper tree. You're not going to sleep this off. I see people right now, they're dealing with all the circumstances of life, and the first thing they do is get out of church. That's not the answer. Pulling over and taking a spiritual nap is not going to solve our problem. Matter of fact, Proverbs 24, verse 33, the Bible says it's a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come. Little by little by little. You ever slept a day away? Come on, let's be honest, folks. We're in church. All right, I probably have done it a few times. You know, you sleep in late and you decide, you know what, I want to get up. And you get up and you say, oh, I'm going to go back to the nap. And next thing you know, you look up and it's dark. You slept the whole day away and you feel like scum, don't you? It feels horrible when you sleep a day away. I can never get that back and you can never get that back. But what's worse is when we sleep our spiritual lives away. You know, I'll get to that one day. I'll get back. To my spiritual activity, can I tell you something? The journey is too great for thee. The journey is too great for thee to take spiritual naps away from God and out of God's service. Matter of fact, what does the Bible say in Matthew chapter 13? Matthew 13, 25, the Bible says it was while men slept that the enemy came. Do you know why we're losing our young people Boy, I, I've told you this before, and you can laugh at me. I do a booger check every night at our house. We have a security system, and I have shotguns. I'm just throwing that out there in case you ever think about it, all right? Uh, and I still have a flesh body, and I can't tell you what it's going to do, okay? But um, we have a security system, we have a shotgun, and we have pistols and all in our house. But every night I do a booger check. I do. I just go to the house and check for boogers, you know? Make sure no boogers in the house. Nobody hiding out in there. Because I think about my wife and my daughter, how horrific it would be. Somebody come in your house and take your child. You read the stories on the news. And I'll tell you, we're not losing our children physically, but we're losing our children spiritually. All because mom and dad are taking a spiritual nap. While men slept, we said, you know what? Life's just too tough right now. I don't have time for church. I don't have time for God. I don't have time for the will of God in my life. I'm just going to pull over and take a spiritual nap. And it's while you're sleeping that we're losing our children. It's while we're sleeping that the devil's coming in, stealing our churches, stealing our country, right out from under our noses. But the sleep's good. I don't have to get up for Sunday school. I don't have to be there for Wednesday night. And we're losing it all while men slept. All throughout Scripture, we see that catastrophe happens when we decide to take a spiritual nap. Just ask Jonah. Jonah says, I'm just going to get on this boat and go to sleep and sleep off conviction. Good luck. Good luck. Finally, the captain of the ship comes up to Jonah and he says, What meanest thou, O sleeper? I'd love to ask a lot of Christians that this morning. What on earth do we think in this time of crisis in our country that it's a good idea to take a spiritual vacation or a spiritual nap? 
Now's not the time to be dozing off on God. Now's the time to do what the angel said in verse number five. He says, arise. Look at verse number seven. He says it again. Arise. Now's the time to be awake and up on your feet. Why? Because there's a journey beyond the juniper tree, but you'll never find it sleeping. One of my buddies told me last year, he says, how many deer did you kill this year? None. He confiscated my man card after that. No, I just didn't have a lot of time this year to go. And then when I did have time to go, I, was, you know, I didn't want to shoot somebody's little deer on their property and whatnot. So long story short, I didn't kill any deer. And I said, I just don't have time to go. He says, I never killed one in my recliner. You have friends like that? I have friends like that. I mean, you have friends like that who needs enemies, right? I never killed one in my recliner. I want you to know you're never going to get past a juniper tree asleep. You're going to have to be awake and on your feet. And folks, can I tell you, sometimes, listen, that's what God does with the preaching. Sometimes that's what God does with his word and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like that angel. He comes along. Wake up. Wake up. Look, we all doze off spiritually. Some of you doze off physically, all right? All right? Yeah, I saw that. But some of us doze off spiritually. We're about the will of God for our life. We decide, you know what? I'm just going to take it easy and take some time off from God. Nothing wrong with being still and knowing he's the God. Nothing wrong with taking time off for family. But don't take a vacation from God. Sleep will kill you. Sometimes it's the preacher, and boy, I hate when God uses the preacher to do that because people don't like being woke up. Angel comes along. Elijah's over there, nestled up, probably sleeping really good, and here comes this angel. Hey, man. Hey, man. Wake up. You're sleeping. That's what, listen, by the way, I wouldn't want to be a part of a church where every once in a while the Lord didn't slap me a little bit and say, wake up. You're dozing a little bit. You're slacking off a little bit. You're not spending time in prayer in the morning. You're not spending time with devotion in your families in the evening. You're dozing off a little bit, and you'll die spiritually in your sleep. Notice what happened in Elijah's case. I, I, I know Elijah was a Baptist. I know he was. Let me show you why. Verse 5, he says, arise and eat. Verse 6, he looked up, saw food, got something to eat. Look what he did at the end of verse number 6. The Bible says it laid him down again. He went back to sleep. Angel comes along, says, Elijah, wake up, man. Get up on your feet. Now's not the time to be sleeping. Now's the time to be moving forward. God's got a journey for you. What a blessing it is that God has a journey for us, by the way. God says, wake up. He wakes up, gives him something to eat, and he goes right back to sleep. Boy, that's a picture of the church today if I ever saw it. God wakes us up, stirs our heart, gives us something good, and say, boy, that was good to be in church today. I'll see you on Easter. What? We go back to sleep. And yet we have the audacity to ask what's going on in America today. I think we're being posed the same question, Matthew 26, that Jesus posed. The Bible says this, and he cometh unto his disciples, garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, what could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not in temptation. He found them asleep. He found them asleep. And folks, I believe today the reason we're suffering so much in our country and the reason we've come to the juniper tree is because we've decided to take time off from God. In the meantime, we're going to lose our family and we're going to lose our country. I heard a preacher one time tell the story of a man who fell asleep while he was preaching and it offended him. It doesn't offend me anymore. I've gotten used to it through the years, you know. But this guy fell asleep in his service and he looked down and he saw the guy beginning to slump down in his chair. All right? The first thing to go is use the Bible. Bible's in your lap. She's the first thing to go. Hits the floor. If you don't wake up then, you're in deep sleep. All right? You're like level five or six of sleep now. The guy began to slide down in his chair. Now he's beginning to drool and there's visitors around. He's so embarrassed. He looks at the man and he says, hey, hey, wake him up. 
And the guy says, you wake him up. You put him to sleep. Now, folks, we can blame it on whoever we want to. But if you're taking a spiritual nap today, it's because you decided to. And you're going to die under that juniper tree. Why? Because you didn't recognize the inefficiency of sleep. Now, I'm going to show you the last thing real quickly. Verse 5, he tells him the same thing. Arise, and then notice the second thing. He says, eat. He sits up in verse 6, and he eats a little bit. But in verse number 7, the Bible says he's already found sleeping again. The angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him. By the way, aren't you glad God gives us second times? How many times have I fallen asleep on God? And he had every right to let me die under that juniper tree. But he comes back through his Holy Spirit. Wake up, wake up. Angel of the Lord came along. The Bible says second time. And touched him and said, arise and eat. Because the journey is too great for thee. Now, stick with me as I give you this last thing. Here's what I believe Elijah did. Elijah woke up, saw the cake that was there, saw the water. He got something to eat. He got something to drink. And he got satisfied. It was good. It filled his belly. And he decided, you know what? I'm going to go back to sleep. But the angel says, look, the journey's too great for thee. You're not going to make it on that. You need to eat some more. You see, we're not talking about being satisfied moving forward. We're talking about being sufficient moving forward. So number three, we've got to recognize the insufficiency of satisfaction. Insufficiency of satisfaction. Now, let me explain that to you. Do you know there's a difference between being satisfied and being sufficient? Elijah ate enough to where he was satisfied. He said, that's good. You know, you feel horrible when you eat too much. You know, that's a horrible feeling. You feel convicted about it. You ever left an uh, all-you-can-eat buffet and felt convicted by the Holy Spirit? I think I have. I'm not sure, but I think I have. And you walk out and you're just kind of gorged. Well, you don't want to eat that much, so you just eat enough to be satisfied. But the angel says, you've got a 40-mile journey, a 40-day journey you've got to go here. And you're going to do more than just eat to be satisfied. You need to eat enough to be sufficient. So here's what I want you to see. My daughter is a little bit fickle in her food, and I guess today's just pick on Miley Day. I apologize for that. I'll have to buy you a Krispy Kreme after we're done. But she's a little bit fickle, and I'm not sure how I raise a fickle child because I am what I think is called a foodie. I love food. I really do. Unless it's celery, I like it. And if they'll fry that long enough, I probably would enjoy celery as well. But somebody, somebody at the fair needs to try that. They've tried fried Oreos. Why not fried celery? I might end up liking it. But I like food. But for some odd reason, she's not the big foodie like we are. And last night, my wife cooked this wonderful, beautiful, made-for-pictures meal of sliced, sautéed carrots, uh, this little pork meatloaf with uh, green onions on the top. You're getting hungry now, aren't you? Well, we still got a ways to go, so don't get too hungry. And then cilantro rice. And we're sitting there, and I'm just fast as I can go. It's good. Man, it was good. And I'm watching my daughter. She's sitting there stir around the plate. Do you know how you can stir it and make it look like you ate, but you didn't eat? You just played with it for a while, and you just separated it enough where it looks like you ate some. And I'm thinking, good night. This is good stuff. You'd be eating all this stuff. And she just ate a little bit, and she ate just enough to where her mom and I were like, all right, that's good. Let's go sit in the living room for a little while. Now, this is the way we are spiritually. Watch this. God prepares what we need to journey beyond the juniper tree. God gives us what we need, but here's what we do. We just kind of thumb through it and pick out the parts we like and leave parts we don't like. And we just kind of stir around the plate. What did Jesus say in Matthew 15? The people draweth nigh to me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You know, sooner or later, you've got to eat what's put before you. 
How often do we come to the house of God? And look, look, I'm not the best waiter. I get that, all right? But the Holy Spirit is. And he serves up, listen, the good stuff. And the Holy Spirit comes to your heart and he serves up what you need. Here's what you need to journey beyond the juniper tree. And we kind of just stir around on the plate, yeah, yeah. And we take what we like and we leave what we don't like. And God's saying, no, no, you got to bulk up. You've got a long journey ahead of you, and if you're going to get past this place where everything's crushing in on top of you, you can't just be nibbling on what God prepares, and that's what we are most of the time. We're like going to Sam's. We go to come to church like I go to Sam's. I go to Sam's, and I love making my rounds for the free samples. Isn't that great? You go, you know, on Fridays, you get enough for a free date night with your wife, you know, just keep making laps, put a hat and some glasses on, make another lap, you know, and they don't know it, and you get full. You're not there to buy anything. You're just there to get a little sampling, right? Is that how it works in that way we come to church? We're not there to clean our plate. We're not there to eat what God's prepared. We're just here to get the parts that we like to satisfy us. But I'm going to tell you, just being satisfied is not going to get you beyond the juniper tree. What you need to be is sufficient. And God's going to prepare exactly what you need to make it beyond this day. But you've got to decide to eat it you got to decide, I'm not just going to sit there and dabble in the will of God. This is no time to be a nibbler, all right? My brother's a nibbler. We went to Disney World with him years ago, and he could afford the dining plan. We couldn't. We would buy a double cheeseburger and an extra bun and pulled out the extra meat, and now we had two cheeseburgers. I am not lying. They have free peanut butter over on the, on the counter. It's a condiment. Peanut butter is, and you can buy two pieces of white bread for 60 cents. That was Miley's sandwiches. I'm talking about, we had no business going to Disney where we were so poor. And we're sitting there at the table with my brother, and my brother has just got this three-course meal in front of him. And he's just picking a little bit off, and I'm just sitting there salivating. He'd get up, go to the bathroom. I'd eat on his food while he was gone. He's a nibbler. Like you got filet mignon and boiled shrimp and all of this, and we're sitting there eating one of those half a cheeseburgers, and Miley's sitting there eating her peanut butter sandwich, and he's just sitting over nibbling. And that's why he's so skinny today. Wind could blow him away. And that's why we're spiritually anorexic, because we come to church, and we don't eat what God prepares. We get in his word and we just pick through it on what we want. You know what? I think that's good. And the angel says, wake up, wake up. The journey's too great for you. You're going to need to put more gas in the tank because the road ahead is going to be rough. And folks, I don't know what the second half of this year is going to hold, but I assure you it's too great for you. It's too great for me. And we can't afford to be nibblers anymore. We can't afford to just come to church and take what we like, that we're satisfying our conscience. We've got to eat while we're in church. We've got to eat from his word. We've got to spend time with the Lord because why? The journey's too great for thee. If not, it's going to collapse in on top of you. I read something about bears yesterday, black bears. On an average day, a black bear will eat 5,000 calories. That's what me and black bears have in common. 5,000 calories a day. No, I hope not. Maybe sometimes. But. And then in the late summer and early fall, a black bear will eat 20,000 calories a day. 20,000 calories. wonder why is that? Why do you reckon a black bear in the spring, they'll eat about 5,000 calories a day? Why do you reckon in the late summer and early fall, I'm trying to help you a little bit, why do they eat so much more? Four times their normal diet. One word hibernation 
hibernation. They know that in just a few short weeks, the road ahead, they're going to have to go without food for months. That would scare me to death. I know some people. I think they think humans have a hibernation because I watch them eat at the All You Can Eat buffets and I think they're preparing for hibernation or something when I watch them eat there at uh, Golden Corral. But they know the road's going to be rough. And they said, I've got to stock up. Bear can't afford to just walk through the woods. I think I, this acorn looks nice. I'm going to eat that. I think I like that. And this plum looks good. I'm going to eat this plum or that baby deer. You know, I'm going to eat that over there. Uh, you know, he, he can't pick and choose. He's got to get all that he can. Why? Because even a bear has enough sense to know the journey's too great for him. And he's got to stock up. The angel wakes up Elijah the second time and says, listen, man, I, I know you got enough but you better stock up because the journey is too great for thee. And folks, I want you to know something. If you haven't come to a juniper tree, you will. You will. To where you can't see anything hopeful in your past, you can't find anything hopeful in your future, and you feel like you're just going to collapse under the weight of your circumstances. Number one, can I tell you, it's not the will of God you die there. There is a journey beyond the juniper tree. But you've got to recognize three things. Listen, folks, this has been on my heart for weeks and weeks as the phone rings and the phone rings and the phone rings. And you can tell the circumstances of our world are crushing in on people. And I don't know how many times in the last three weeks we've heard, I've had enough. I've had enough. And it doesn't have to be that way. But you're going to have to recognize three things. Number one, You've got to recognize the inability of yourself. You cannot and you will not journey beyond the juniper tree very far without God. The good news is God's prepared you a little cake. God's prepared exactly what you need. And look, he would go 40 days on that one meal. Look what the Bible says. When God cooks up something good, it'll get you where you need to go. But you've got to go ahead and raise the white flag of surrender. I can't. Can't. The journey's too great for me. And so then you look to him. And what does he do? Well, he shows us now's not the time to be sleeping. Now's not the time to be sleeping. Now's not the time to be dozing off as a child of God. Now's the time to be stocking up and the filling up on what God's provided that we might, as Paul, finish our course with joy. And I'll give you this and we're done. You're not going to make it by yourself. You're not going to make it taking these spiritual catnaps. And you're not going to make it if you don't get in what God's already provided and beef up on what you're going to need for the road ahead. But this morning, you may be here and you've never trusted Christ before. I assure you, the journey of eternity is too great for thee. You'll not make it through eternity and to heaven of yourself. You're incapable of yourself. You can't work your way there. But aren't you glad, just like in the case of Elijah, God provided what he needed, what I needed and what you needed. He provided that through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And the Holy Spirit comes to us and he says, hey, hey, I got what you need. I got what you need. But then you have to be willing to receive him. This morning, if you're not sure if you died, you go to heaven. Would you be willing to receive him as your personal Lord and Savior? That way you could journey well beyond the juniper tree and all the way into the presence of Jesus because on this day you decided to take what God's provided for you. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed just for a moment. 
our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I want you to hear me out. 